That's not quite all, folks. The Lean Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hallam, joined by, and I'm Jordan Schmidt. And in the next stretch of uh, Looney Tunes specials, there may be some trouble ahead. So with this one, we're gonna face the music and potentially dance. Uh, <laughs> this is a weird one we're doing today. It's technically a Looney Tunes special, you know. Technically. Bugs and Daffy are in, are in it. it. Chuck Jones did direct it. It does have Looney Tunes characters doing Looney Tunes things in it. But is it really <laughs> to the extent of some of these other ones? We'll talk no. about it. But this is Bugs and Daffy's Carnival of the Animals from the mid-70s. And... Most of the people that talk about this special talk about the significance of it without really talking about it itself, content. Like, it, it's sort of like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago um, when Bugs Bunny was busting out all over and we told him to stop. Um, did people talk about that one with Supersonic? Like, oh, this is the big one that does this. But it's still substantial. That whole special was substantial. And Carnival of the Animals is very much style over substance, which isn't a problem considering that we're talking about animation, but considering that we're talking about the Looney Tunes, it's not ideal. No, this is one where... I'll say this. um, Going into it, I was very worried because on the show, we've been doing this for close to 100 episodes, so we know how to do the show. And I was like, oh... There's gags, and there's, you know, we can talk about the animation, and we can talk about you know, the history, or what have you. With this one, there are no gags. Not really, no. There's no, like, there's wordplay, but it's not especially Bugs and Daffy. And it's not really Chuck's wordplay, per se, either. It's not. It, it's mm. not a we've we've talked about ownership in the past with with these specials but how much we're gonna go into this but like how much of this actually belongs to chuck jones because this is adapting a couple of things at once it's adapting the actual suite um for orchestra carnival the animals by camille sansons and it's also adapting a lot of poetry about the animals and i don't know specifically carnival the animals by ogden nash and so you're adapting an orchestral suite and poetry, and it still has to be Bugs and Daffy. So I can see why it was tricky to completely make this a, ver- a Looney Tunes project. So I get. But at the same time, the, the context of when this came out, I can picture a lot of people... I can picture people liking this back in the 70s, but I can also imagine a lot of people not liking it in the 70s. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, okay. Like, to give people an idea, and this is the claim to fame of this special, this was the first WB-commissioned work featuring Bugs Bunny 
since 1964, as well as the first Looney production following the closure of Seven Arts in 1969. So, time had passed without official canon Looney Tunes productions. Lots of time had passed. You know, occasional groovy, groovy, ghouly shit had gone in. But, like, for Chuck Jones to return to the project and to return to Warner Brothers and to create a special, a new original special in 1976, at the time for whatever Looney scholars and Looney fans, that must have been a pretty big deal. Yeah, because, I mean... Again, at this point in time, you got the Bugs Bunny show. It's been going on for about 20-something years. There's a generation there who are, I wouldn't say starting for new Looney content, but I'm sure very excited to hear that, A, there's going to be a brand new Looney thing coming on CBS around Thanksgiving, and B, it's going to be by the guy who, let's face it, had the best shorts of, of the... Of, what was shown on television. Yeah. So, while we can't say, oh, expectations were high because we were not there, yeah. we didn't ask anyone who was there, I would assume expectations... You know, you know, the best way I could put it, it's like, it's like when Steven Hillenberg came back for um, SpongeBob, uh, SpongeBob, for, 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 for the, uh, the, the second SpongeBob movie. Right. Because in 2004, like three or four, Hillenberg, a lot of the, the, the crew, they left because they thought it was the end, and they're like, nope, let's do more. So Stephen Hillenberg's like, cool, I'm gonna retire, essentially. He didn't really yeah. do anything in the time. And then, second movie comes around, they announce, hey, not only is are we doing a second SpongeBob movie, we got the original guy back, and not only is he gonna be doing the movie, He's going to be here. He's going to be back with the series. And we we have, by that point, we weren't watching Spongebob much. But from what I've seen of that run, he came back. It was interesting. It was, it rejuvenized the franchise. But the second Spongebob movie isn't great, let's be honest. Yes, and part of that is, you know, nostalgia. Part of that is, you look at the writers of that first film. It's like... You're never going to get that again. Yeah. It's every great writer working on that it thing. Was it's like a moment in time, and it could not be recreated. Yeah. But but even seeing that movie, I wasn't like entirely disappointed, but yeah. But I will say, at least in that second movie, you had the entire cast in it, and there were different locations. It was a movie. It was an event. This uh, isn't quite that. No. It's, you know, it's it's different. And different is not always bad, but different is different. And we'll talk about how this is different and how this does its own thing and how it detracts from some other things. But yeah, no, I'm, this was a very big deal. And also, it was a very big deal because normally a lot of Looney Tunes stuff was, was shown, like... In daytime programming or Saturday morning programming, but after the success of the Peanuts uh, specials, Chuck and CBS made the choice to air this one prime time on a Monday night against Monday Night Football mm. on ABC. 
Mm. So that they were confident. They were very confident, and even though this would actually start a trend of of new Looney Tunes specials airing prime time, they wanted to move this away from the child niche and into the. They, they wanted to chase a couple of people, but mostly um, the Peanut Specials and um, and Charles Schultz. Um, I'll get to one of the other things they were going to be chasing once we actually get into it. I haven't even done the on this day stuff, so there is some on this day stuff. Um, this was oh, this is, is date wise we're in business. This was on uh, released on November twenty second, nineteen seventy six. Very close to both of our birthdays. Um, yeah, that's nice. Um, on this day, the comic strip Kathy debuts. Kathy of the Sunday Funnies, whose strip lasted for like 25, 35 years, and whose big line was, and get ready for this, Ack! That was her big line. That was her big line. Um, that strip debut. Andy Samberg used to play Kathy on Weekend Update. So, Kathy, Kathy, lovely, beautiful Kathy, 34 years, what a great run. Yeah, Seth, the only runs I know about are the ones in my pantyhose. My thighs want out! <laughs> and it would be very funny. Yeah, uh, in theaters that day, you got a pretty strong uh, competition. Um, Rocky, Network, and The Omen were all in theaters that day. Oh, so. well, those are nice. And then, okay, I what we usually do is um, we we make the um, the top pop song on the charts from the U.S. and the U.K. fight. And this is a really tough one this week because I don't like either of these songs, and I don't know if you do either. <laughs> it's not like "Staying Alive" and um, like "Waterloo" or whatever the ABBA one was, because both of those you can say, okay, that's kind of awesome. This is okay. I'll explain what we got. Number one song on the U.S. charts was Tonight's the Night Gonna Be Alright by Rod Stewart. Tonight's the night It's gonna be alright Cause I love you Ain't nobody gonna stop us now Number one song on the U.K. Uh, charts is um, If You Leave Me Now by Chicago. To quote Natalie Imbruglia, I'm torn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it to uh, Chicago. Yeah. I, it, it, it's been rough, but <laughs> eh, you know, unless, unless with Chicago, there is, you know, and I, I believe if you leave me now, Peter, Peter uh, Cetera was in the band by then, right? Oh, he was there. I'm, I'm going to look at fun facts about if you leave me now. He was in the band. Don't worry. Oh, whoa! One Grammys. Yes, it's a big song, and I I I know it well because um, the movie Three Kings, which was um, David O. Russell before he started shouting and throwing things at 
legendary Hollywood actors. Um, actually, no, he was throwing things and fist fighting George Clooney during production of this one. But Three Kings, there's a motif um, involving a cassette tape of If You Leave Me Now by Chicago, and it's a very funny running gag where it's literally right they're about to run into like a climactic sort of like war battle and you hear this song uh, i do have an interesting piece of, of uh, trivia here so one of the members uh terry kath was part of the band um according to chicago's studio live audio engineer during the 70s terry would always quietly walk off the stage when the band was about to perform if you leave me now because he was not present in the studio when the band recorded the song. <laughs> and since he wasn't on the recording, he would never, ever play it live. Oh, however, that's petty. No, this is Terry Kath. Um, however, recordings <laughs> exist of Kath playing bass on you the You bastard. During the band's 1977 tour. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. I'm leaving the podcast. <laughs> no. No, I, I'd never actually do that. Oh. I don't no. have the balls to do that. Um, um So, yeah, there's a fun fact for you. Yeah, also, fun fact, Chicago, the band Chicago is what would happen if you took Steely Dan and took out most of its talent. Um, A.K.A. cocaine. Um. <laughs> That's why John Mulaney likes them so much. Um... <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. He's doing his lines going, Now I know how Donald Fagan felt. <laughs> but only that specific instance. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. We, begrudgingly, we give Chicago the edge there. Um, but not the actual edge. He wasn't... You two wouldn't start for another five years. Uh, you see, I can do it too, Mark. You, you cheeky monkey, you bum looker. Um. So, according to the credit on the screen, the very beginning of the special, this was produced, written, and directed by Chuck Jones. Which is mostly true. He produced and it. And at the end, the, he yeah, directed yeah, he, it. He, he gave the money. Um, then there's a credit at the end of the credits. That's... Uh, I we'll didn't see this it. one. What did it say? Oh, it said... Oh, my gosh. Animated says, musical segments directed by Herbert Klein. So what you're telling me... What you're telling me... Is that... The... So, uh, Chuck Jones got his animation crew together. And... Didn't actually animate anything other than the Bugs and Daffy interstitials with them. That's what I think. It's very possible. I, I do think that Chuck and his crew, they did Bugs and Daffy. There's moments in this where you can tell it's clearly you know, Chuck and his crew. But yeah, um, the main meat of this thing, the animated musical segments that are throughout the special, directed by Herbert Klein. Huh. So that's why I said it's like, well, it's it's strange. And I was thinking, well, did he direct the live action stuff? No, no, he didn't. Do that. He didn't direct the composer or anything. That was done by someone else. 
whose name I didn't write down. All right, I'm looking at at um, Herbert Klein's other um, credits. Um, been a production uh, manager on a lot of Mr. Magoo cartoons. A lot of Mr. Magoo cartoons. He also did some uh, assistant directing for segments on Hee Haw. No, he he designed the main titles for Hee Haw. Uh, so yeah, and he designed the, the main titles for a lot of 1960s shows, actually. So and he also founded the television animation studio Format Films. Wait a minute, Format Films, as well as Eleven Roner cartoons. Hold on, this was the guy who found the studio who made um, Highway Runnery. That bastard. That guy. Oh, what the hell is Chuck no. What the hell? Chuck Jones yeah. is going, okay, I'm going to bring everybody back, including the people that derailed the studio. Sounds good. <laughs> yes, that'll work. Um, yeah. Though, to be fair... He did co-create the short-lived sitcom The Duck Factory, which gave Jim Carrey his uh, first role. So he, he oh, got that. All right. He got that. <laughs> That's weird, but okay. That's our weird connection between Jim Carrey and the Looney Tunes. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's it, it says direct. Uh, yeah, as you were saying, it was directed, produced, and, and written by Jack Jones. He produced it all right. But um, he didn't really direct everything, and he didn't really write anything because most of the actual things that Bug and Daffy say are poems by Ogden Nash. Thankfully, it is truth in advertising that Mel Blanc did do all the voices here. And the conductor is Michael Tilson Thomas, who was conducting um, whichever symphony orchestra was doing that. Yeah, um, I looked him up. He he does most of his work with the London Symphonic. So okay. maybe it was them? I don't know. Cool. He, I know he's been working out of San Francisco the last several decades. But, you know, because I think he is American. Well, I couldn't tell by the two words he says in the entire thing. Well, that's the thing. It's hard to really gauge an accent from those. So, yeah. Figured we'd clarify. Uh, any other background before we go in? Yes. The Carnival of the Animals as a piece uh, conducted by Camille Saints. 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 <laughs> you walked right into it. I, I, I did. I, I knew we were eventually going to go into that. I just didn't know when. Um, so, it's a 25-minute production. So, it works great for a television special like this. Well, they had to cut a lot to make this fit. <laughs> they did. They did. But it's a, you know, it's about a 25-minute production. Incorporates animals. It's essentially sweets for the animals. So, there's one yeah. for fish, one for birds, one for chickens, one for lions. And yeah, so on and so forth. It's very similar to I don't know how much familiarity you Mark have with Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf. I'm I'm very familiar with it. Um, okay, in good. fact, it's in fact Chuck Jones would do a Peter and the Wolf adaptation, so even he was familiar with it. So yeah. Okay, good. Well, I mean, he, he probably did an adaptation because this is pretty similar to Peter and the Wolf. I've, uh, okay, full disclosure. Um, when I'm not, uh, this is one of the many other lives I've had, because um, I've, I've, I've worn a lot of hats my entire life. In high school, I was a concert timpanist with my um, high school's wind ensemble. Um, I was a very good timpani player because I could tune all the timpani by ear because I had perfect pitch. It was awesome. And one of the things that we did with the wind ensemble, 
um, was we did a composition of Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf. And how that, that's broken up very much like Carnival Annals into little sweets and little pieces. And it's just little bits of the story. And it's, it's punctuated by, there's, there's a narration. And um, a class, a, cla a former classmate of both of ours, Mark, a guy that we were at least in like second grade or one or two other guys, um, uh, grades with in elementary school, he has this deep commanding voice and um, our um, band instructor decided, hey, do the narration. And he did and he killed it. And so he would do like the little narrated lines in between our, you know, band pieces. No, it's a fun, it's a fun one to play. Um, and while I was going through a lot of this stuff from the uh, Sans Sans pieces, I'm like, okay, this is very similar to Peter and the Wolf. Um, you know, it's, and also kind of similar to um, something like Mazorsky's Pictures at an Exhibition, which is like a lot of very lengthier pieces, but all along the same theme of just, okay, these are just paintings in an art gallery and songs inspired by them. Um, or, 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 or if you're a contemporary progressive rock fan, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer songs inspired by them. Um, this one, yes, definitely allows itself for, you know, a special because it's, you know, animals and it's Bugs and Daffy. And I can see why Chuck thought this would be a good idea. Yeah, so well, what's funny about this, it's an iconic piece. A lot of people know about Carnival of the Animals. Oh, yeah. What's funny is that um, he didn't perform this piece in public because he felt it would ruin his reputation. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I'm a serious conductor. I don't, yes. this, this is just a silly hobby I did. And it turns out like a year after he died, someone's like, hey, let's conduct this thing. He never wanted to conduct. And sure enough, it became incredibly popular and made him a prominent figure in the art of uh, conducting. Yeah, so he's the classical musical, uh, he's a classical music equivalent of Scatman John. Yes! Because <laughs> yeah, everyone remembers the, uh, oh god, do I even dare? The, the bit in, in the middle of, um, of Aquarium where he's like, what a hero. What a hero. Anyway, we should be talking about the fucking special, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, one more thing. <laughs> a lot of pieces, so... Specific pieces from from the carnival has been in a lot of stuff. And, and we'll talk about them when they when they come up in here. But this yes. is, again, TV shows and movies love using this. Probably because it's in the public domain. But also, it's just oh, yeah. really damn good music. It is, yeah. It's one of those things where, like, you've probably heard pieces from Carnival of the Animals without realizing it. And there were a couple in here, and I'm like, this is from that? Yeah. It's a great feeling, too. All right, so, Jordan, I have one more question for you. One question yeah. for you. So, this was on the uh, fifth Gone Collection. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time you've watched this all the way through? Yes, it is. I think I watched it all the way through when I first got the the, the collection, but then I just never watched it again because it just yeah. bored me to tears as a child. Well, that's the thing. It's not really for kids, per se. It wasn't for us then. No, yeah. But keep in mind, this is also coming from the same person who didn't sit down and watch Fantasia in its entirety till I was, like, 15. So oh, when it comes classy. to me, yeah, I, I've, I've 
<laughs> yeah, it, it turns out there's more to that movie than just The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Who knew? Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, this, this, this is the first time that I've actively watched it where I paid attention fully and went, oh, okay. I don't, I, I feel like at the age that we were into the Golden Collections and the Looney Tunes, I feel like we were just in the middle of the two um, age ranges that best befit this movie, which are really younger kids and old Looney Tunes slash music nerds. And now we're closer to the latter. And it's something. Yep. Okay. All right. Anything else? Nope, let's get into it. Thank God. Okay. We start this off with the sounds of Bugs and Daffy arguing about the pronunciation of the conductor of Carnival of the Animals. Song, songs. Faint, faint. Song, songs. Faint, faint. Song, songs. It's pronounced faint, faint. It is pronounced song, songs. Faint, faint. Song, songs. Faint, faint. Song, songs. The man's name is Camel Faint Faint. The man's name is Camille Sansons. Camille, Camille. Who ever heard of naming a man Camille? This already seems classic. Yeah, this was the bit that Chuck wrote. Oh my God, yes. This is fooling me into thinking. Oh, this will be great. This is, you know, if if Chuck's writing all of this and it'll be like this, then that'll be great. Because it's it's backstage at the symphony orchestra, and it's Bugs and Daffy sharing a dressing room, and having really good banter. Um, Daffy even mentions that this is their first public appearance together in years, which is a, a yeah. yeah, it's been like fifteen years by that point. Even the special at the very beginning is going. This is a big deal. We don't yeah. do this all. This is a very big deal. So, you know, it's, yeah, it, 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 and it's very much like, okay, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. We're back together. And then the rest of the special is just very much sidelining them. It's a, it's like getting Genesis back together to just have them go to a Knicks game, which I thought it was for a while. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's there's really good banter back here. I mean, Bugs and Daffy feel like themselves. Mel's voices for them are still pretty good. And we get a, uh, a, a Kaimo appearance by Porky Pig. Yes, we have like one or two lines from Porky, and he still sounds good. And then the thing starts. It starts good. I like, I like the animation of Bugs' walk. Yes. It, it feels like like a Rhapsody Rabbit sort of thing, like yeah. fully in control, walking to the piano. A lot of the Chuck sequences is a mixture of Rhapsody Rabbit and Big, um, not Big House Bunny, um, Showbiz Bugs. Where yes. it's like, okay, Bugs is a serious musician, and Daffy gets no applause when he comes out. And it's <laughs> it's it's continuing these themes from the original run, which I think was pretty respectful. Yeah. But the real hook of this piece is not Bugs and Daffy. It's the orchestra. And we see in live action the, the symphony orchestra led by Michael Tilson Thomas, and we see a lot of shots of Michael Tilson Thomas conducting. And for the record, I just want to say this. Michael Tilson Thomas looks a little bit like me. In this, 
There is a slight resemblance. Not entirely, but he, he also looks a bit like Andrew Dismukes from Saturday Night Live. Just an awkward looking, you know, guy. <laughs> but he can conduct. And so we get into what this special really is, which is watching the symphony. It, it, okay, Bugs and Daffy will do some lines from Ogden Nash. Uh, not by Chuck. Chuck's maybe enhanced them a little bit by, you know, the playing off of them or whatever. But they're, they're poems by Ogden Nash. And then it'll segue into one of the parts of the Carnival Animals. And then, like, you know, we'll see the orchestra playing it. And then we'll see an animation interstitial by the Hee Haw guy um, that is completely different animation style um, than the Chuck people, and then we'll, you know, and then on to the next. That's basically the format of this special. Lots of little bits like that. So it begins with lions. idea like with the lions it's oh it's like if kids drew the lions like how, how you draw a lion as a child yeah blockier childish animation which yeah. is nice mm-hmm. yeah it's it's entertaining um lots of uh they go into a cave and the rest of it is just the lions opening their mouths and eyes it's interesting i will say i don't know if it's the production the time period or my mind but every time the string section swells in this lion's bit, I keep expecting Jeff Lynn to show up on vocals. <laughs> yeah, just just strings, and then all of a sudden a telephone starts ringing. Yeah, and just strings, and then um, and then random <laughs> keyboard parts, and, and then uh, you know whatever the yellow song, you know. Oh, is, is, that, is that the, the Traveling Wilburys? Is that Bob Dylan? <laughs> no. Yeah. Bob Dylan, by that point, is... Ah, <laughs> look out, you know, in the... It's got the green. <laughs> it's the yellow. Also, to do uh, off tangent... See watch what the Wil- I mean? <laughs> watch the Wilbury Twist video. It's so silly. It's so much fun. You know, so Bob Dylan knows who he is, I think... I, I forget if I sent this to you around, around Christmas time, but there, he did a music video of like a polka version of Must Be Santa. And he's running around his house with I, people partying. I think I saw this, yeah. Oh, I hope so, because this is great, because he's, 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 he's definitely crossfaded and he's running around his house and it's just trying to keep up with the polka and the lip syncing. And just sort of like, like, like the way the camera works, he'll just sort of like randomly wind up on screen. He's like, hey, how's it going? And just, who laughs this way? Who, who, who? I don't know. You sound like Otto from The Simpsons now. <laughs> Whoa, hey, man. Hey. Oh. Man, you're not going to believe this, but I just, I just played something out of time out of mind. All right. Anyway, so, yeah, we should so be talking about this. Yeah, the lions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one thing that Chuck is mastering in his interstitials is the audience response to Bugs versus Daffy. 
it, it was a good gag in show. Uh, it was a good gag in Showbiz Bugs, and it's still a good gag here because it plays off of their pattern, their back and forth. Um, I don't think it's overdone here, especially given what it becomes in the end. <laughs> especially yeah. what it becomes in the end. Um, yeah, it's good. It's just. It's unlike Showbiz Bugs. Showbiz Bugs, it was, or which is a frizz short, but it's so good, it transcends yeah. it. Um, yeah. With Showbiz Bugs, the tangents at each other are funny. Yeah, because they're written by, you know, Lillington's writers, and not Ogden Nash. Who isn't funny. No. So, it, 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 it's mm. so... Man, if you're a kid, I'll I'll be so confused in the sentence. Like just sitting there, that's probably what it was. I first watched it, just sitting there going, "In the world of music, okay, there are no rules." I know it's Bugs and Daffy. <laughs> Have you ever heard? And they're of a saying something which scientists call the onager. I'm not laughing. Sounds like the cry of an idiot child. That's the problem. <laughs> and the thing is, is that like it's it's so disjointed. Like okay, we get like thirty seconds of Bugs and Daffy saying things that aren't funny. And then we get shots of the orchestra. Okay, if you get okay, the orchestra. And then you get these animated interstitials, and a lot of them, a lot of these animated segments come and go without leaving much of an impact. The roosters and hens one is it's 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 time very much of just like sort of you know the onomatopoeic sort of cracking of of the beaks along the ground or whatever. Chuck himself and the Looney Tunes themselves have done better takes on hens and roosters. I, I, I say damn near uh, uh, eternal. Yeah, you know that probably should have been the first giveaway that Chuck wasn't doing these interstitials. I was like, like oh, Foghorn's not here. Which, given the time special this is, it wouldn't have worked if Foghorn Leghorn all of a sudden showed up. But, I don't know. I don't know like, maybe like a stylized version of Foghorn Leghorn. It's like, oh, look, it's Foghorn Leghorn. I'll I say, if I knew there was a carnival going around here, I would have brought my, myself a three-wing circus. Wing circus. That's a joke, son. <laughs> you see, I actually said that wrong, realized I'd walked myself into a pun, and used it. That fell perfectly into my hands. Very nice. Very nice. And around around here, like I realized what they were going for in terms of what this felt like. Fantasia? Okay, that. But <laughs> think about the animated interstitials. Think about the style of this animation. Think about the 1970s backdrop with the music in the background and this sort of style of animation. And think about the target audience being kids, sometimes younger kids. What do you think was doing the same thing around this time that you think they were competing with? Sesame Street? Yes. This feels a lot like early Sesame Street. A lot of these bits feel like interstitials that were unconnected from the Muppets and unconnected, uh, unconnected from Henson and the Gag and were purely Children's television, children's television workshop, um, trying to use other means of uh, getting on concepts, and so 
this feels like like I had to make sure that the guy who produced the animated interstitials, I had to make sure he wasn't a, a, a Sesame Street alum because he felt like one. And these a lot of these feel like just from like the a lot of the ways that these animated bits sort of layer on each other in more avant-garde art styles and less like funny. They're more like exploratory art. I agree with that. I also feel this way tying better with it. I'm thinking more like Electric Company. Yeah. Because Electric Company, it. specifically them, they would have like Batman, like the, the animated Batman show up and like do a lesson or Spider-Man would show up and it would be a lesson. Yeah. I feel it's more like that where it's like, oh, here's these characters you love not doing the thing you like them for. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. strange, but but at least I will say that I will say that that with with Bugs and Daffy, they're better animated here than they ever would be on the Electric Company, given yes. with, with, with the with the budget Clearly. at the time. But but yeah, no, that's what that's what I thought about around this time. Is was there one in between the hens and the kangaroos? Oh. Because I don't want to leave one out. Because <clears throat> uh, usually when I go um, on to the next one, you're like, well, before that, I think it goes on to the kangaroos next. I can't find a rundown. So yeah, kangaroos. I, I like the animation of that. I like how simple it was yeah. and sort of layering bits. I will say there was a little three note piano motif during the kangaroo section that made me think a peanut special was about to come on. Cause there's a little dun dun dun. <laughs> it just, it sounds like the beginning of the dun 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 So I just heard a little bit of dun 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 and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh, that would, that would improve this greatly. It's Snoopy. It's Snoopy. Okay. Here's an older one for me. Oh boy, is Snoopy gonna come out to entertain the children so they're on board? <laughs> I mean, it might Cause, help. Cause that, that's what happened to me. Because, uh, what time I went to, like, I was a child. I, I didn't know if it was with you. I, I think it was like before, like, like a first grade or something. I would have remembered if it was for me. Yeah, it was, it, I went to like, it was like the, at the Verizon Center. It's like, oh, the orchestra is gonna perform some music for culture. And one of them was the Peanuts theme. And when the Peanuts theme started playing, Snoopy, yeah, quote Snoopy, came out and like walked around. It was very cool. It's like, oh, damn, there's Snoopy. I am entertained. And, um, yeah, that's just reminding me, like, just like halfway through that all of a sudden, like, Snoopy comes out to, 
show 1970s animation special who's boss, like <laughs> who runs these streets. And then when we got to the bird section... There's something psychedelic about this bird sequence. I kind of dig it. But, you know, no, it's a really good animation in this bit. I like how avant-garde and cool it is. Um, this piece in particular, I was... Because there's, there's one after this one that I'm like, oh my god, I know that one. But this one, I triple-taked. I'm like, wait a minute. Because Birds was used as the end credits composition in one of my favorite movies, which is Moonrise Kingdom. Um, Wes Anderson film from 2012. Um, so the very end of that movie, after you know the the the, the Desplat score and the usual like the the you know in April I opened my wings or whatever the thing. I I've seen it a million times. I should know what the song is. But at the very end of that, we just hear this sort of you know, and it's 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 birds. It's it's um, Sansan's birds because Wes Anderson I was telling you this last night Mark because um yeah. you brought up what Moonrise um Wes Anderson for the score to Moonrise Kingdom was heavily influenced by Sansan's Carnival of the Animals and Peter and the Wolf and, and things like that because a lot of the big motifs is animals and you know like what kind of animal are you and for the score Alexandre Desplat did uh, a very similar like the record that the the the, the um, Susie's sister, Susie's brothers, uh, listen to throughout the film is like, okay, we're going to hear the orchestra come in one by one and play a very Carnival of the Animals like sort of composition one by one, and it's done by Desplat. But to end it on birds, I thought was always pretty cool because I, I I thought it was another Desplat composition, but it turns out it was birds um, by I think Leonard Bernstein um, or somebody good conducting it. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm like, they use this in the Kingdom. And it's very funny because in how psychedelic this bird sequence is, a while back, a friend of mine who conveniently was in Moonrise Kingdom in a rather large role, he's on the damn poster, I think, um, was asking for recommendations of films and things to watch while taking a tab of acid. And he got some very good uh, recommendations. I think the bet, the one he ended up doing was uh, Head, starring the monkeys. But I should have thrown my friend Jared for a loop and given him this one, you know, Bugs and Bugs and Nephew's Carnival Animals, because he would have gotten to this point and go, not only are the birds and psychedelic things cool, but oh, fuck, I know this song. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm regressing back into infancy. And I'd probably get an angry message the next day. It's like, I had a bad trip and it was your fault, Jordan. I'm like, dude, you asked for recommendations. <laughs> cool people were giving you Bob Rafelson movies. And I was like, oh, let's fuck with <laughs> No, I wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Birds is a cool one. I mean, also, I'm, 
I haven't seen this short in forever. I'm pretty sure some of this showed up in the Pixar short uh, for the birds. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen that one in forever as well. So after the bird segment, all right, can you talk about the interstitial between birds and the next one? Because I think this is... So this is a part where... So throughout the special, they've been like bickering at each other. And it's around this point that Bugs and Daffy start finishing each other's sentences. Yeah. You know, because like, hey, hey, we're cool now. So it's like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, Bugs is speaking, then Daffy's speaking, then Bugs is speaking, then Daffy's speaking, then Daffy's speaking. Wait, I- I'm sorry, it's supposed to be Bugs. <clears throat> They're uh bit of a whoopsie error there where <laughs> they're supposed to be saying... Yeah, it's it's supposed to be Bugs saying it, but the animation is Bugs saying the line, but it's Daffy's voice coming out. Hmm. It's very... And then so, like, that happens, and then the next line is supposed to be saying it together, and it just sounds like Daffy doubled or something. It's very... Yeah, it's it's a little clumsy. For her fish, what we call mermaids, they call merfish. It's the only type of error like that entire short, but it's such a big oof. It's like, ah, oh, jeez, what the fuck? Oh, okay. Oh, 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 they messed up. Oh, well. Well, look, this is, again, this is one of the first projects that this team did together in years. So, so what if they're a little rusty? But that leads us into Aquarium, which is pretty well known contemporarily. Oh, yes. know it best from being used in the very well-edited trailer to uh, 2008's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, a movie I have still yet to see, but I've seen the trailer very many times. Also, and this is another (laughs) clue into us being very much from the Philly area, um, the local aquarium in Camden um, likes to advertise, uh, and they'll use this song in their advertisements uh, quite fittingly. They'll use the you know, the, the 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 aquarium. And it's a cool song. I think it's the coolest piece in the special. Alan Menken listened to Aquarium and went, okay, what is that but for a fantasy world where there's a beauty and a beast? Because it's pretty... It's not that common, but it's pretty close. You put them side by side. That, aqua- that the Beauty and the Beast musical theme is based very much so on Aquarium. A little bit, yeah.
And I thought, I thought because it's Aquarium, I thought it was in the teaser trailer to Finding Nemo. So I no. watched it last night. It's not, but that teaser, that teaser trailer is great. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. They had a lot um, of fun with the marketing for that movie. Yes, and it was also in three episodes of Goof Troop. Yours. <laughs> if you go on IMDb, it's just like, oh, here's what, here's what Carly Amos was in. And it just says, Goof Troop, music, three episodes. I'm like, god damn, three episodes. I, I guess I just really like that song. My Goofy is off today, I'm sorry. That's fine. But what's even funnier mm. is, is, um, and this is a piece that's not in this, but uh, the swan is one of them. It's not in the special, but right above our IMDb, it says, it says, oh, Goof Troop. And then right above it, Stalin, TV movie. The <laughs> <laughs> you just have Stalin and Goofy right next to each other. Like, oh, man, where's that buddy coming? Hey, Joseph, what you doing there with that ice pick? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, then still Betsy. Well, yeah, it, it, it's a very, it's a very popular part of the. Uh, oh yeah, no, and it's it's a beautiful composition. I, it's been used in trailers here and there for years. I, I imagine Guillermo del Toro used it at some point. It feels like or Tim Burton or somebody like that. But I really like the dreamier avant-garde animation in this segment. I can tell that. The producers in general thought of this special as an art piece rather than a comedic piece. And the focus on more artistic and like musical moments like this, I think. I mean, it's not what we are looking for, but this is still pretty cool. So in between the next two, we have more Daffy and Bugs banter um, going into Elephants and... Um, the reason I haven't really been talking about these, or the reason I don't like very much of these, is that I can't really tell which parts are the unfunny Ogden Nash stuff and which parts have been added by Chuck Jones, so I can't really properly judge them. But there's a bit where, where like, there's a rhyme that Bug and Daffy have between preposterous and rhinoceros, um, and Daffy has been having a habit of not getting laughs with some of his puns, and so... He just laughs himself at this preposterous rhinoceros one, and just just like even if the audience isn't laughing, he's just losing it yeah. at his own joke. And and it's so unnerving. Yeah. So, cause he's just like... I repeat, preposterous. Hey, right, preposterous. <laughs> now get this. Oh, <laughs> you'll die <laughs> if you think the elephant preposterous. You've probably never seen a rhinoceros. <laughs> Preposterous. I can't stand it. Rhinoceros. Preposterous. Rhinoceros? I think it was funny, but it fit, if that makes any sense. So like, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm not laughing at it, but I understand where you're coming from, and, and I get it. Yeah. It's a lot of the specials like that. But, Yeah. Elephants, I just put, is the same quality as a lot of the rest of this. Well, the problem is that you, is that Elephants on Parade already exists. So if you're yeah. going to do a new animation thing about elephants, it better be good. And, and it's it, really it was, not. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. It, it demonstrated the piece well. Yeah. Though I, I will say, I think, I think this was the piece where, because Bugs and Daffy are the pianists 
of the orchestra. That's why they're there. They're they're playing they're playing the dueling pianos. Yeah. And it's not until I think Elephants that we actually cut because. Yeah, it's the first time we actually cut two bugs and Daffy at the piano. Now, given yeah. it's recycled animation, it's yeah. not great, but it's strange that we're, like, we're halfway through and we're now showing bugs and Daffy actually performing the song. Yeah. Yeah, I probably should have shown that earlier. Yeah, no, well, they, they had to do several shots of the actual orchestra and of the conductor looking menacingly like me. Yeah, so also, I was the, the, um, he has like two lines in it, and it's essentially just like responding to some of the other ridiculous stuff. And like, okay, it's cute. Though I will say, there's something funny about just they have a camera on him. It's, it's like a face cam, like right on his face. That's kind of fun. He's like really intense into it. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty sure you can make some nice memes out of that. Yeah, definitely. Something like you know, but don't include me in them. You know. No. No. That face Jordan makes when um, they um, decline his card when he's uh, at the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Elephants just pipes in. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm watching my weight. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I like it, I, I talk. I don't know if I even talked about this on a past podcast, but we were at a sporting event recently, and I scarfed yeah. down an entire personal pizza <laughs> in front of Mark. <laughs> and I think that Mark should have used the elephant's theme to um, to to make me feel bad about myself after that. I already feel bad about myself. I mean, believe me, it was a very good personal pizza. But like, <laughs> I'm kind of going. Oh wait a minute! I don't think he knows how much how much damage I can do on a pizza. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to be surprised. And I wasn't. Uh, to, to be fair, I didn't care. Uh, I was watching a baseball game. I was fucking hungry, and yeah. even if it was like okay ballpark pizza, it, it it's nowhere near as good as the actual one on the shore. But like, I was hungry, and it was pretty good, and it was the good thin crust, and. It was gone in five seconds, basically. It was like a Scooby-Doo polish off. But <laughs> the whole rest of the night, Mark could just be going... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's like it's like the Family Guy gag where, where yes, um, that's Stewie follows people around with a tuba. With, with a tuba. Stop it! Cut it out! I have a glandular problem! That'll be $60. Uh, back when Family Guy was funny. Um, yes. One of the few poem bits I actually did like was the sort of surreal quality of Bugs' poem on fossils and the way we sort of blur the line between the animation and the stage. At midnight in the museum hall, the fossils gather for a ball. There were no drums or saxophones, but just the clatter of their bones. A rolling, rattling, carefree circus of mammoth polkas and mazurkas. Pterodactyls and brontosauruses sang ghostly prehistoric choruses. Amid the mastodonic wassail, I caught the eye of one small fossil. Cheer up, he said, and winked. It's kind of fun to be extinct. Yeah, it's like, it's the best speech of the thing, because 
It sounds a bit Dr. Susan. Yeah. A bit. There's some good rhyming rhymes in here. And Chuck at the home is going, hey, wait a minute. I've heard of him. I used to work with him. I, uh, I made some truffula trees for him. Take a message, Mrs. Schmunzler. That was all me. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And just the reaction of um, that, like, Daffy, like, hides in the piano. Yeah, I like that. And, like, yeah, that was the most alive they felt at this point in the special. Clearly. Clearly. And it was, and it was about dead dinosaurs. Yeah. I, I did like the animation quality on this fossils run, I think. It was a little sketchier and more unpolished, but no, I, I, I think it was all right. Then the drugs kicked in. Yes, with the finale. Yeah. Where, you know, again... But see, Bugs Daffy are rhyming, and I want to say I think this one was Chuck. Maybe, Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. know. It it just it feels the most. What's the word? It's like the most culturey, most like pop culturey, because they mention um, the um, the circus company that's coming back. Ringling? Yeah, I think they mentioned like Ringling Circus or something and that, so I'm like, oh, that, that could be contemporary, because I don't Maybe. know where these poems are written. Noises new to Feenland, issue from the skillful band. All the strings distort their features, imitating crawly creatures. All the brasses look like mumps from blowing oompa, oompa, oomphs. In outdoing Barnum and Bailey and Ringling, Sensongs has done a miraculous thingling. Thingling? Hmm, not bad. While they're doing this crazy poem, their faces are in the piano's, like, sheen, and their faces get distorted, and it's the only time in the special that the animation is actually really animated. And it's good. It's fun, like crazy reactions of like, like you can take a screenshot of every frame pretty much of this one segment and each one of them is interesting. Yeah, I think what's coolest about this finale sequence is the collaboration between the conductor and Bugs and Daffy, making it feel like they're part of the, the orchestra and making, having him cue them and having him and having a, you know, the meeting between, it's, it's close to the equivalent of the meeting between Mickey Mouse and the conductor in Fantasia. It's handing over the baton, in a sense. I also like the musical theme of this ending animation. Very fast paced and cool, and it begins to recap everything we've seen. So it almost feels like a Rhythm Heaven ending round. <laughs> it's for you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it it does fit. Also, I want to point out, all these music segments, they fit to the beat perfectly. Yeah. Nothing's out of sync. It's all good. Not as well as, as other um, Warner cartoons have, but it, it, it's to the beat. Yeah, so just you know, this grand finale where it's like intercut with everything and it's going a mile a minute. It's like, yeah, it, it was it was a nice way to end the special as well as to remind people what they just saw 25 minutes ago because maybe they fell asleep halfway through. Yeah, um, maybe these are kids and have very short attention spans. It's like woke them up. Oh, 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 it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. 
but yeah, no, it's a good finish. And we have Bugs and Daffy take their final bows. And we reveal that the only reason why Daffy hasn't been getting any applause the whole night is because the audience is full of rabbits. <laughs> That's cute. I like that. Yeah. That's cute. So, yeah. I think this special is fine as an art and music spectacle rather than pure comedy. And I think it's, I think that was Chuck's intention. He wanted this to be a more of a, you know, tribute to the carnival animals and be a showcase for music and art rather than just for the Looney Tunes. And I think that's fine. And this was a great tribute to the arts and of collaboration and a great educational piece for young kids. Maybe not great at utilizing the Looney Tunes. And this is, Maybe not the best Looney Tunes special. I mean, it was good getting Bugs and Daffy in the same place again. Good getting Chuck and all those animators back in there. Not really a great Looney Tunes special, but a good special. I mean, the Looney Tunes didn't seem to be the priority, which... Is kind of what our show's about. Yeah! <laughs> and so it's hard for us to judge something like that when the, the Looney Tunes aren't properly utilized. It's a lot like Space Jam, uh, A New Legacy, where the Looney Tunes, you know, are a, only a portion of it. And we can only judge the movie on them so much, whereas there's other things going around. Uh, yeah, this is tough. Um, I can't grade this as Looney Tunes production, because it's not really. No. Yes, Bugs and Daffy are here. Yes, they are saying things to each other. But there's no gags here. I can't go, well, the gag work was fantastic, so four out of five animals, what have you. The animation was nice. Yeah, but it wasn't all checked. Yes, and... In my opinion, it didn't get really good till about halfway through with the kangaroos and the fossils. Yeah. I was moderately entertained by a much... But I had a much better time watching live music back in January where it went to um, the, the Bugs Bunny at the symphony thing. That was much yeah. more entertaining. Because it was, yeah. We were listening to constant music and there was funny stuff going on. Yeah, they and actually had both. cartoons with gags that they showed. Yeah. Also, again, I, I, I said from from a 1970s kid perspective, this would piss. Okay, if we were in the 70s and we we were like, oh my god, Newington special, and we go in the recess the next day, we'd probably be like, well, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> There's and like like no Looney Tunes for a good what like 15 years or what have you. Then, hey, new 30-minute Looney Tunes prime time special, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Chuck Jones directing, be there. And there's no jokes. And you're watching animated depictions of animals for a half hour that's not done by the Looney Tunes crew. It doesn't look like the Looney Tunes. And then it's over. I see fans of classical music really liking this one. Though, yeah. though even then, even then, I'm entirely sure because they cut out some bits. They cut out the swan. Yeah. They cut out others. I don't quite know. So there's that, and I say if you're a kid, this is when you gotta watch when you're older. That's yeah. the best way I can put it. There's no uh, unless you're like a little kid that like is good with just the little like Sesame Street esque yeah. interstitials. Yeah. Somebody who's like wants funny stuff that in the same realm as the other Looney Tunes stuff we've talked about. Nah, it's not as... We're not going to find as much there. No. 
It's the equivalent of the end of What's Up, Doc, where Bugs Bunny says, okay, I've got this big show tonight. Uh, it's my big anniversary. I get to headline something. It's going to be great. And we go and we see what it is. Oh, we are at the chorus. We hope you like our show. We know you're rooting for us, but now we have to go. The end. That's basically what this was. It's big pomp and circumstance. We get to see Bugs and Daffy again. And it's not really about Bugs and Daffy, is it? No. I mean, the most I can say is at least we got the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie out of this. Yes. You know, at least we got that connection between Chuck Jones and Warner Brothers so that for the next decade or so we can have legitimate, actual Looney Tune projects. Some good, some not so good as we've uh, seen already, but still, at least we got that. You know, this this opened the door to the next decade of Chuck and and Frizz uh, <laughs> eh, um, doing more Looney Tunes for more kids to watch. And hopefully you know, hopefully this special didn't turn kids off to Looney Tunes. Like, oh my god. I, I, I don't think it would, but yeah. No, but it's like... They could turn them off animals. Yeah. And go into the zoo going, no! No! No, I can't. I can't. Zoo, zoo populations all around the country plummeting after the special. Yes. What, what what happened? Why why is no one going to zoos? Chuck. <laughs> hey, I'm innocent. I swear. <laughs> I just wanted to do a special. What's so wrong with that? Uh, what are we rating this? I I was moderately entertained. So I I was leaning. I was like, do I give this three? Or do I give this the other rating? And I'm really... Okay, uh, I'm going to give this a a 2.5. Okay, I'm going to give it a 3. A 2. 5. Okay, alright. Totally fair. I just feel, as Lynch's production, it could have been more. Yeah. But I don't think the intention for it to be a full Lynch's production. I think the intention was for it to be uh, a production that emphasized the orchestra and art and things like that. And while I am not very happy that that was the intention. It, it was the best of itself it could be. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see what other Looney Tunes fans think of this special that the Looney Tunes have such a small part in. Friend of the podcast and all-around good Northwestern uh, American resident, uh, Brandon Pierce at Invader Pet, uh, gave us his honest dissertation of... Um, Bugs and Daffy and the Carnival of the Animals by saying, I've never been able to watch this without falling asleep halfway through. Brandon, but yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the most exhilarating special. It's very much like for the thinking man, for the epic, for the, um, the you know, the, the calm, controlled music love. It's it's not exactly big bang gags and things. It's it's very much a low-key kind of thing. So I don't blame you. And I, yeah. It's a snooze fest in general. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means, you know, No, it's, it's just, you know, it's not for the everyday Looney Tunes fan. You gotta, be, you gotta be in a very particular mood to watch this special. Or you have a podcast where you force yourself to watch this special, like us. Yeah, exactly. All right, next comment here is from uh, Danny at Danny Exists 6. He said that, honestly, it needed a lot of work. It was just Chuck hmm. Jones trying to do Fantasia, 
and just missed the mark in a lot of areas due to not having the budget of Fantasia. Well, to be fair, Looney Tunes have been trying to do Fantasia for years. I mean, from yeah. Corny Concerto to Pigs in a Polka to... Insert, What's opera, yeah, Doc? This is just the latest. Yeah, this is just the latest. And, you know, it's one thing to try and be a Fantasia. It's another thing to try and act like you're Fantasia. And this was doing a little bit of the latter. And this yeah. is not Fantasia because the Looney Tunes are so gag-reliant they can't be Disney. And so and to try and say, hey, we're going to do a serious music special now, it, it doesn't work. I mean, they've never they never tried to be Disney. That's what's so weird. Is They've, they've always no. been the gag type. Also, They tried to bash Disney. You know, also, it, it's a TV special. Like, uh, they... they even if they wanted to, even with the budget of Avantasia, which, by the way, was a failure when it came out. Like, even, well, yeah. Disney's budget of Fantasia was a bit of a mistake, a bit of a misfire. But We um, all love it now, though. Which is oh, great. yeah, of course, yeah. But, awesome. yeah. Just... Um. That's what happens. Uh, our uh, frequent commenter, our winger, uh, uh, commenting under his uh, Termite Terrace Club uh, account, said, um, you know, he, he gave us some information about the special that we've already sort of discussed. And he said he enjoyed the introduction scene, which, I mean, to be yeah. fair, yeah. Uh, Bugs and Daffy were citing Ogden Nash's poems. It's okay. All right. He also enjoyed, like we did, the March of the Lion sequence, yeah. um, Aquarium, and the finale. Yeah. Th- those are pretty good. I mean, aquarium is the best of these, I think. Yeah, because I also love that that bit. And we got the most <laughs> enticing in-depth wording from Joe at Joe one one six zero one nine zero seven, who says never saw it. <laughs> thank well, you, Mister President. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, never saw it. You know, I was busy doing a lot of things for the American people. Hey, Joe. You know. Where are you going with that Bugs and Daffy's Carnival of the Animals in your hand? <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you for your comments, everybody. <laughs> yes, thank you all of you for giving us some good laughs on this very stoic episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Next week's a little less stoic, though. Oh, yeah. Next week's just silly. Yay! Alright, so please tell me the one we're doing next week's has actual Looney Tunes in it. (laughs) Now you were, um, you were, you were planning on on featuring, uh, uh, Looney Tunes in this Looney Tunes special. Were you? Hello? (laughs) (laughs) I really hate that, man. Ah, there's gotta be more Looney Tunes in this than there were in this one. Um, so... We are nearing the, uh, what I like to call the batshit crazy special. These are the ones where I was putting this together. Oh. I'm like, these sound insane. So I want, oh. to, I want to do this at the end because I feel we have a lot of fun with them. So the first one, first one we're covering, uh, uh, there's three of them. First one we're covering is, it's a Cartoon Network special, actually. Oh, it's yeah. A Cartoon Network produced special. Made in correlation with, I believe, the NFL, or at least, yeah. like, just sports commentators. Um, This is the big game, Bugs versus Daffy. Yeah. I remember 
some hubbub around this. I mean, this is a little bit before my time as a sentient human being, but I remember some of the remnants of this being still around on the internet and then Cartoon Network lore for a little while. Um, and I'll go into some of what I do know about this next week. Um, what will aid us in the discussion next week is the fact that I myself am a football fan and I have a pretty nice knowledge of sportscasters as well as the NFL climate at the time. Um, I can tell you what exactly happened with the Super Bowl that this coincided with. Cause I think this was, this was 97? 2001. Oh, why did I think this was like later in the 90s? Okay, 2001. Um, yeah, I can tell you a little bit about the Super Bowl itself in this one, which I believe was, um, I think that was Giants Ravens. The one in January 2001, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Giants Ravens. Yeah, I have a passing knowledge of that game and that, um, and what the league was like at that point, and... Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot to talk about um, from for relevance around that time, and I have never actually seen this special in these interstitials, so I think it'll be interesting to talk about them with my um, with my context regarding where the league was at that time. Yeah, and that's based off of like a series. This is a series they did called the Big Game for like for like a good couple of years. They did these like send ups of the Super Bowl, but what if classic cartoon rivalries? So. Um, right. Of course, uh, the Buck vs. Daffy is a pretty big one. Uh, they also did, they did a um, Sylvester vs. Tweety and a Rona vs. Coyote one. Oh, I figured, yeah, yeah Buck vs. Daffy. Why not? Buck vs. Daffy is the big one. Yeah, exactly. So, no. yeah, so, yeah. So that'll be fun. And I think of of the three that are coming, of the ones that I know of, I think it's one of the lesser of the evils. Well, not evils, but one of the more manageable ones because i know that the, the two after yeah. those are a little bit more hectic the one coming after the big game i'm very excited to talk about oh yes yes <laughs> because we get to talk about one of my favorite rock stars and his uh run-ins with bugs bunny but that comes a little later after the big game one which i'm sure we're also gonna have fun with oh yes and if you want to watch it it's on youtube good Easy to find it. Hooray. It's on YouTube. Hooray. All right. That's the end of our show. If you'd like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at MarkHalem1995. And you can follow me at TallGuySchmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon Music, all of those and more. Uh, you'll be able to find us talking about Looney Tunes where Looney Tunes are actually fucking in them. Alright, so until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan, and I'm going to go watch that special again on Acid and see if it's any better. So long. Have a nice trip.